In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the 1996 movie, The English Patient, we see a British biplane shot down over the desert by German gunners at the end of World War II. The badly burned pilot is pulled from the plane by a Bedouin tribe and ultimately winds up in a bombed-out monastery in Italy where he is cared for by a combat nurse from the Royal Canadian Medical Corps. He speaks with an English accent but claims that he can't remember his name. As he nears the end of his life, though, he has a series of hallucinations, during which he tells the story of a passionate love affair he once had. The critical point of the story happens in a prehistoric cave that he had discovered deep in the Sahara Desert. He had taken a woman that he loved into this cave She had survived a plane crash of her own and was faced with life-threatening injuries. She clearly needed medical help, but the closest doctor was three days' walk away through a dangerous part of the desert. It's not clear that the patient could have made that walk, that is to say that he could have made the walk. It is not clear that if he got to a doctor, he could persuade the doctor to come back. And it is not clear that even if all of that happened, he would be back in time because she was mortally wounded. Nevertheless, he leaves her with provisions and a book and sets off across the desert, showing great courage to confront the dangers that he will surely face. But why? Why did he do that? Why did he make that decision? Sam Wells, the vicar of St. Martin's in the Fields, an Episcopal church in central London, says that this question is the defining question of our time. The challenge, he says, is that our orientation towards problem-solving causes us to see every problem as something to be solved. I might say it a little bit more basically. If all you've got's a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Wells claims that this is the cause of most of human suffering. Life is not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived. Let's go back to the English patient. The man wants to solve the problem, which he understands to be the woman's medical condition. So he sets off on this dangerous three-day journey across the desert but he never considers the value of staying by her side. 
He never considers the value of suffering with her as she goes to what may be the end of her life. I think that Wells's insight about the problems that we identify helps us understand what Jesus is trying to tell Peter and the disciples in the story that we read today from the Gospel of Matthew. You will remember the first part of the story. We read it last week. Jesus asks the disciples, who do they say that I am? And more specifically, who do you say that I am? Peter correctly declares Jesus to be the Messiah. This week, Jesus describes how the Messiah must undergo great suffering, be killed, and then raised again. Peter reacts by rebuking Jesus. Presumably, he had a vision of Jesus as a kind of Messiah who would defeat the Roman occupiers and their Jewish collaborators on his way, undoubtedly, to reestablish the Davidic monarchy. Now, this conversation looks like confusion over what the title Messiah really means. But I think it's easier to understand what is happening if you think instead about the problem that each of Peter and Jesus was trying to address. Peter wants to free his people from the constraints of external authority. He sees the Romans and their collaborators as the problem. You might say that he sees himself in a remake of the story of Exodus, where God frees the Israelites from their Egyptian oppressors. In the remake, Jesus does to the Romans what Yahweh had done to the Egyptians in the original. Peter fails to notice that Jesus is addressing a different problem. It's more about recognizing an internal authority than rebelling against an external one. You might say that Jesus sees himself in the story of the suffering servant that we read in Isaiah 53. Living into this mystery requires the disciples, Jesus says, to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for his sake will save it. Jesus is addressing human suffering in general, and that's not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived. Even people outside the church are starting to recognize that love might be the answer. They're calling it the science of human connection, but they are finding in it and the study of it the most compelling evidence for the root causes of human suffering, as well as the most powerful ways to address it.
So, to apply Jesus' teaching to our own lives, it's helpful for a moment to think about the problem that we are trying to address. Sam Wells claims that for a long time, we thought the essential problem was mortality. We are anxious about death, of course, but we also worry about all the things that get in the way of the life we imagine we could lead. Bad health, poverty, and adverse client climate conditions, just to name a few. There was a time, though, when we thought that we were to learn how to live with these limitations. But now, Wells says, we think that we should be able to conquer them, to overcome them, to live independent of them. What if we're wrong? What if that's not the problem to be solved? What if that's not the primary human predicament? Life, after all, is more than just the absence of disease. What if the essential human problem is not mortality, but isolation? When you think about it, many of the challenges that we face today, race, gender, sex, war, poverty, climate change, all have their roots in what we might call a crisis of connection. We are increasingly disconnected from ourselves and from each other. We live in a state of alienation, polarization, and fragmentation. The signs are everywhere. We are experiencing decreasing levels of empathy and trust and increasing levels of depression, anxiety, loneliness, and social isolation. The Surgeon General has even issued an advisory calling attention to a public health crisis of loneliness, isolation, and the lack of connection in our country. What if the problem is isolation? Isolation is not a problem to be solved, of course, in the sense that we can make it go away with resources or better technology. In fact, the more successfully we have used those things to overcome mortality, the worse isolation seems to become. The more independent and self-sufficient we become, the more isolated and alone we feel. We're also finding through our research that some of the problems we thought we could solve, like poverty and various kinds of physical or psychological illness, are actually improved through the existence of social networks. Being in relationship with other people, it seems, matters more sometimes than a new pill or technology or technique. Relationships are important. 
maybe more than anything else. If we could just figure out how to be friends with each other, we might not have some of the problems that we are spending so much money to solve. Let's go back one more time to the English patient. The man with the English accent who's telling the story confesses that he never did find a doctor and he didn't make it back to the cave before the woman he'd loved died there. And in his telling of the story, you can sense that he understands that he has misdiagnosed the problem. It wasn't about mortality. It was about isolation. You might even say that he lost a part of his life by trying to save it. The irony of the situation becomes clear as his life comes to an end in the tender care of strangers, the Bedouin tribe which pulled him from the wreckage, the Canadian combat nurse who stays with him, suffers with him, and administers to him for the rest of his life. This is the problem that Jesus was warning us against. We don't need to overcome mortality. We believe that even at our death, life is changed, but not ended. We need to address isolation. The good news, though, is we already have everything that we need. We don't need any new information. We don't need any new technology. We don't need any more resources. We just need to recognize that we are part of the problem. As Wells puts it, we aren't sure exactly what the problem is. But we take for granted that we're part of it. We take for granted that we have deficits, that we lack something. And we know from our faith that others around us have the very thing we need. Our task is not to be self-sufficient. Our task is to open ourselves enough to the relationships that we are gifted with by God so that we may receive the gifts that those people have to give us. That's all we need to learn how to be in real, authentic relationships with those who are around us. That's how Wells puts it. I think Jesus puts it slightly differently. As Jesus puts it, we are losing our lives in an effort to save them. But we can save them by denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Him remembering that the good news is that we already have everything that we need. Amen.